Welcome to Behind the Geeks. I actually nearly started the show tonight with a baby in arm. My my wife just called me about 40 minutes ago saying she wouldn't be home in time uh, to go and pick up the little one from daycare. So I had to run across to daycare and pick him up and run back home. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be standing here for the first um, 10 minutes until she gets home with baby in arm, hoping that he doesn't go crazy. Um, but my mum ended up turning up here. She'd spoken to my mum and she turned up. So she's downstairs now with the little one. So uh, we, we're sans baby, but we have Richard back. So welcome back, Richard. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> what a segue. And uh, as normal, the legends, Pete Matheson and Scott Riley and yours truly, this is the Behind the Geek Show. And in today's uh, conversation, we're going to talk about PR. I'm going to say Pete and Richard are going to talk about PR because I know nothing about the whole world of PR and public relations and whatnot, or Scott um, is. And so I'm just going to sit here and listen to the whole thing because um, PR in an MSP sense, I've never played with and I've never never worked with any MSPs in that sense. So I'm here to learn today. But well, we'll start the conversation off by just a, a thing that I remember hearing, and it's always stuck with me from someone that all of us in this industry have probably heard of once or twice, the legendary Bill Gates from Microsoft, in that one of the someone asked him if he was to ever start a business again, what would he do when he first started? And he said that he would throw every cent that he has into PR. And I went, Oh, that's a bit weird. I don't understand this PR game at all. Like what's and here's the one of the richest I think he was the richest person in the world at that time, saying that he would he would start a business by throwing everything he possibly could into PR. And so I thought it was interesting. I'm interested to hear about from you guys how you guys have seen uh, MSPs or other businesses successfully use PR in the small business space out there because it's been one of those areas I've just never explored myself. I've never dived into it myself. We probably do a little bit of PR here and there. What's the word? Not intentionally. Uh, it just happens by nature of being on podcasts and stuff like that. But but I've never anything I've dived into. So I'm keen to hear from some of you guys maybe about some success stories, some tactics, some strategies, some things that you've seen MSPs do well around that play, that space and things you've seen MSPs make mistakes on around that space as well and uh, see where this yeah. thing goes. So who wants to dive Can I ask, I guess, maybe just to clarify for people that, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows, but when you're when you're looking to do PR, what are you looking to achieve? Are you looking to, is, is it certain places? Like what is PR? If we start off at the basic Good starting levels. point. Um, who wants to do the definition well, we've not actually mentioned what PR is. What is it? Because we're very fond of acronyms. It's public, public relations. Public, what public is relations that? we'll talk about. So public relations is basically how you are presented in front of the public. And the public might, you know, you might be presented in front of the public via newspapers, via radios, uh, via commentary, all of those type of things. So happy to talk about yeah, how I use PR within my MSP business. But I'm intrigued. Scott, you're doing it right here, right now. And everybody knows who Scott Riley is. You're like one of Microsoft's <laughs> favorite partners in the UK. So how did you get to that stage? Bribery. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, so we're doing a few different things right now, which I guess all kind of amount to PR. Um, one of which is actually working with an external PR agency, but I'll come to that in a second. I guess we're doing a huge amount of just general outreach, and, and that is – for me, because we're a two-year-old business, it was just like, like no one's heard of us. No one knows the brand. How do we get out in, in front of people? 
Um, and that's just been by an awful lot of giving value, giving time, you know, putting our face wherever we can in terms of like speaking events or being part of the CompTIA panels or being part of this, you know, amazing community with the tech tribe and, and doing live streams, supporting vendors and getting our name out, you know, with them when we do vendor launch events and just, you know, being a partner reference for some of those guys. So we've done that for people like Uptime or PAX 8, um, where we'll just, you know, they have a big community of people that we want to reach. And so it's just about sort of, you know, working, not working with them, but just, you know, being, you know, for us, I think just being honest about our experience and being prepared to stand up and share that in those forums. Um, and I guess just putting yourself out there a bit, because none of that is, none of it's revenue generating, none of it's really direct lead generation. Um, and that isn't the real principle of it, although holistically, it does get the brand out there and get our name out there. And so we get seen. And so it's a very slowly, slowly catchy monkey approach to just getting the brand out there. But one of the direct things that we did was actually engage a PR firm to work with us to go, right, how do we kind of elevate that? How do we get the brand out there? And the reason I did that was that I got sick and tired of seeing my good friend, Phil Story, who runs a, an agency called Glow. Uh, and they have a, a like a WordPress management toolkit, which is amazing. Like for agencies, if you look after multiple client sites, he has a whole toolkit and app that they built. And I just got sick sick to death of seeing Phil's story on LinkedIn and featured in BBC News and featured in this paper and featured in this local press. And I was like, who, how are you doing this? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's just us. I'm like, no, 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 no. How's this happening? Um, and so we found the, the uh, agency that he was using and they are very good. And, and it kind of flipped my whole idea of what PR is because for me, that aspect of PR was about like, you know, press releases and customer testimonials and, and push content out. Um, and when we met with the PR firm, they, they kind of turned that whole thing on its head and they were like, no, 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 no. The way to like really position yourself as an expert is with reactionary commentary. And I was like, so what now? And, and that was them going, look, these articles are getting published by tech journalists, you know, and, and different journalists all the time. And they're looking for input. They're looking for industry leaders to make comments on what's happening. And so I was like, oh, I, I didn't recognize that aspect. I always thought like when you see those, those bits in Computing Magazine and IT Pro Magazine where, oh, an industry leader, Scott Riley, has this to say. I'm like, yeah, because industry leader Scott Riley put some money out, and that's why he's got something to say. But actually, no. And so she, the, the agency we worked with hooked us up with like a number of kind of journalist inquiries that they have access to these huge data. With, with that, for example, um, so as you're working with them over time, you're getting these like direct connections with these like PR firms and, and the, these kind of, I guess, magazines or, or journalist contacts. Does that not then mean you can over time just start going direct and kind of skip out the PR firm and just carry on doing the PR yourself? That's a bit, a bit of a cheeky I, question. I mean, I guess you could. You definitely could, but like when I when I speak to our PR agent, like they pay to have access to these databases, and you know that's a lot of money. Um, but they do a huge amount of filtering before it gets to us because there's there's hundreds of journal requests every day, and so they're filtering it all and then going, "Hey, we think these would be useful for you." And so I get maybe four or five, and I go like, "Yeah, no, no, that's too nerdy." Yes, 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 and then I'll put some commentary together, and then. But the way that works is honestly like we pay uh, I don't know somewhere between two and three thousand pounds a month yeah to, to work with the agency 
They'll find all this content as well as all the other cool stuff that they do. But then I'll go like, here are my bullet point thoughts. And then they'll write it up into a submission and go, right, I've taken your bullet points and made it sound awesome. Do you want to sign off on this and we'll send it over to the journalist? I'm like, yeah, that, that that's much better than I could have written it. Um, and then all of a sudden, like I've been in Forbes, I've been in computing, I've been in IT Pro. And you're like, hang on, I've been in Forbes. Excuse me a second. Um, but, you know, industry expert Scott Riley had this to say. And I guess the whole idea of that is, is again, just building out that broader picture. And I suppose from an SEO perspective, uh, if I cared about our website right now, um, then we would have great backlinks being generated from these very, very reputable sources um, that are all now, and, and we've been very tactical. It's every time they, they reference my name, it's Scott Riley, you know, Microsoft 365 expert and, you know, founder of gold partner, Cloud Nexus says this. And so that phrase has then become, you know, sort of rankable, I guess, because we consistently use that same description of me and the business every time those things go out into those articles. And so that starts to rank. And so Cloud Nexus becomes synonymous with Microsoft Gold Partner, although that won't mean anything in November. But anyway, um, but those things are kind of tied together, right? Something else you can do, Scott. I don't know if you've got this on your website, because I've not looked uh, lately, but um, every time you get featured in the press, you have a page on your website saying, as featured in, so we've been to you know uh, certain experts' websites, and they've got the BBC logo, the CNN logo, Tech Tribe logo, and all of these other things <laughs> in there. But having we always did that, so you know it's a lot easier nowadays. Back when I was doing um, uh, the press for the MSP, it was once a piece of content was out there, it was ephemeral; it was disappeared, like the radio interview or a, a press piece or whatever. Now everything is online. So something else that we uh, we still do to this day is have a page saying Richard has been featured in and we link to that content. So it's really powerful, though, if somebody's looking to book you as, you know, as a speaker or as a speak to you as an expert, you know, um, uh, radio producers, for instance, they look at your website and like, where has this guy been featured? Oh, yeah, they've been featured. This guy or girl has been featured all of these other places. We're going to get them in uh, to talk about that. So. PR becomes like a rolling stone from that perspective. So I don't know if you've got that on your website, Scott. We're just we're just building it out now. So the the website's been a, a bane of my existence for two years, but also like a bit like Nigel, I've been looking at the stats and going, nobody comes here. So it's That's kind of been at the back of the queue. Mm -hmm. um, but since we started doing the PR activities, we were like, well, now we're building these backlinks. We really need to make the landing page sharper and faster. And so we've put a, a huge amount of effort now into making like the load speeds and the you know Google Analytics load speeds down to like a hundred percent, you know, on mobile and on desktop. So we're just and then we broke it all this week, in fact, while we made some content changes. Um, but we're back on that drive now of just like optimizing the crap out of it so that it's really fast. And we've we've gone really simple messaging. It's, you know, we've almost story branded it. It's like one big message, three things you should know. Another big message and maybe a couple of other things. But at every opportunity, it's why don't you give us a call? Why don't you get in touch? Look, we don't have any salespeople. Do you want to speak to a consultant? And we're just constantly kind of pushing the calls to action, which is something we never had on the previous website. And we know since making that change, we've already had at least one direct lead from the web page. And we're like, cool, that's that's never happened before. Someone's been on the page, clicked call, you know, and booked a, a calendarly call with me. 
throw, throw up some as seen on logos on the top of the, just under the top yeah. of the fold and um, yeah. see if that increases your conversion rates. Uh, it typically yeah, does. No, like, like you've that. seen nearly every marketer out there on any sales page in the world. The second line underneath the, the big headline is as seen on or as featured in, mm-hmm. as Richard said, or whatever it happens to be on them. And it's, it's just so a little bit of social it, proof. Just. In, in terms of like pricing then, because like t- two to three K a month is, is quite a pricey thing to pay out for either. like an external marketing agency. We, um, we did it how, for a tenth of that, I should say. Sorry to interrupt, Pete. When well, we that, that was going to be my question, Richard. Yeah. I, I get the impression you've been doing it a lot longer and perhaps are doing some of it internally as well. So be interested to see what your what your take on kind of PR and how how you've done with it, you know, over time. Yeah. Well. So we uh, so it's all about relationships, which is why Scott is so good at it. Scott is a relationships go as as we all are here. I would say the whole go giver attitude. When it came down to it, what we actually did, Pete, we hired a local, uh, a retired local journalist. So my MSP was based in the Birmingham, um, England area. And so the local press there was the Birmingham Post, the Birmingham Mail. Our competitors got sick to death of seeing Mrs. Tubbs' baby boy's face in all of the local (laughs) press to the point where they would say to us, like, uh, similar to Scott, they'd be like, how on earth? Are you always there? How on earth are you always in the newspaper? How on earth are you always the the tech expert that they go to for quotes and things? I can tell you the secret is we built relationships with the editors. We built relationship with the journalists. And and part of that was, you know, we hired a former journalist to facilitate those introductions uh, in the first instance as well. But we still do it to this day. You know, for instance, I've got a list on uh, Twitter of uh, UK and US tech journalists and I can tell you now, it's an open secret. You know, I maintain relationships with them. If they are asking for help on Twitter or whatever, I will reply back and I will either give them the answer they're looking for or point them in the right direction of somebody who can answer that. So it all comes down to relationships. Uh, and exactly the same, Scott, you were saying about PR is the vendor hookup as well, the vendor connections there. It's exactly the same. If you make yourself valuable, uh, to the vendor, the vendor is going to come back and feature you in like testimonials, in case studies, in uh, PR opportunities, all of these uh, type of things. So it really does come down to uh, the relationship. In answer to your question, Pete, you know Scott, Scott is paying really good uh, money there and getting the results from it. Um, the local journalist that we hired only cost us like two, three hundred pounds a month because you know he was retired and he was just doing it mm-hmm. for you know, to keep his hand in uh, the industry. But we got an incredible amount of value, uh, not only from the relationships that he brought, but secondly, and I think this is super important because there's going to be lots of people watching this going, what have I got to talk about? Why on earth would the press want to speak to me? And I thought that when I ran an MSP, and yet Derek, our PR guy, would phone us every month and go, okay, Rick, what's going on? Well, not a lot really, mate. And he'd go, are you traveling anywhere? Well, yeah, we're going to America for a Microsoft con- um, for a Microsoft conference. And he'd go, really? And then like a day later, there'd be an article in the local press, you know, B- Birmingham IT expert travels to the US to share his knowledge, <laughs> stuff like that. So Derek would phone us every month and ask what's going on. And we thought it was inconsequential to us. But the local press love this type of stuff. And so he was really there to get the creative juices flowing and to, you know, to look for the idea. So working with an external person, as we so often say on the show, if you can outsource it and you can surround yourself with people who are world-class experts in what they do, go ahead and do it. It's money well spent. So how do you define 
what a successful kind of PR campaign strategy is? Because from what Good Scott question. was saying earlier, this is a very long burner. It's not like an instant. You appear in the BBC News and you get a ton of customers, nothing along those lines. And, and I guess even more so, it's going to be different for different people. Some people just want the exposure. Yeah. Some people do want the leads. So how, how have, I guess, how have you both defined what success looks like to you for, for pursuing that and continuing with it? I'll, I'll so, kick off if I can, Scott, if I can say something, because it's just, something's just occurred to me while we were talking. So right at the start of the show, Nigel said, I don't know very much about this. I would say, Nigel, I've learned so much from you about metrics-driven business, about you know doing things and they've got to be measured and managed. And I'm a huge believer in that. I would say PR is almost the exception to the rule here in the very, very, very rarely are you going to get somebody who gets in touch with you as an MSP and says, I want to do business with you because I saw you in the Birmingham Evening Mail. It never happened to us. But what I can tell you did happen is when we were at networking events, when we were at, you know, whatever it might be, people would see us speak or we'd be introduced and they'd go, oh, I saw you in the, the local press what was it about? And and things like that. And it just gave you that little bit of credibility. And the other thing I would say nowadays is that if somebody is searching for an M365 expert or a company, they go to Scott's website, Cloud Nexus, and they see as featured in da 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 And they'll be like, holy cow, this guy knows what he's talking about. So hopefully that's not too vague an answer, Pete, but it's, it's very difficult to measure the yeah. direct return on investment. And yet, I would say, Scott would probably say, that we're living proof that this stuff does work. I think I think that's fair. I think we looked at it and went, this is, this is more of an outreach program than it is a lead generation tool. So everything else that we do, which, which I would consider like the internal, you know, managed PR. So all of our, you know, all of our video stuff that we produce, that's just generally for me, that's just marketing. But all of that you know, uh, speaking events and, and you know, the go-giving that we do with the partners and just like, because we don't get funded or paid for any of those things to go and, you know, be be a representative for Pax8 on their launch briefings or any of those things. I think I got a water bottle, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> and maybe some pizza vouchers from time to time. But that's, that's just part of our general outreach. And just, again, it's just part of our strategy to build the brand and get known in, in the, you know, the industry because it's a very small industry. That's the nice thing as well. The MSP space is very small. And for us, our main, you know, revenue stream is other partners. We help other partners. Yes, we have some direct business, but predominantly we help other partners with their 365 projects. And so it's it's a great space for us to work in. The external PR, I've kind of looked at it as every other external kind of marketing uh, outsource or, or any other outsource thing where it's lead generation in some way and said, hey, I'm prepared to run this for six months and then measure what that looks like. And, and in very simple terms, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, an opportunity, a lead that has covered the costs of that to run for the first three to six months. Because then I'll go, well, look, at least now we're net. But actually what we've done is we've built, you know, a wider audience, a wider net for us to promote to. And it is a compound thing. You can't look at but that, that two or three K a month. And I say it's two or three because it's actually three, but we, we, did a deal where we went, look, three is just too much for us. Okay. At this stage, we can't do three. Can we have a reduced amount of your time and effort? Um, and, and we actually agreed on like 1500 
Okay, so we, we agreed on 1500 a month and we'd run it for six months. So we're putting 9K into PR and then we would review. So this, this, this agency should be about 3K a month. Um, and, and I was looking at that to say, how does that help kind of elevate us, you know, on, on, on the stage? And I think we've, we've come to the end of that six months and gone, we're not going to continue right now more just because like that, that 1500 a month, even that is expensive for us at this stage. And we're just going, right, it's probably not the right time. And, and the reason is like every two weeks, like Richard said, we have a check-in call with the agency to go, right, what have you done? What's happening? Where are you going? Where are we with these customer testimonials? And it's kind of pulled out some weaknesses inside our organization, which says, look, we're not great at chasing for testimonials. We're not great at getting the press releases written up. We're not great at getting customer commentary because we're so busy delivering. But also we do an awful lot of delivery for partners and so those aren't case study worthy and those aren't, you know, press release worthy because we can't do that because it's the partner. So we've, we've seen like a, a weakness in, in maybe our approach to using PR in that way. So the reactive commentary is really great. Like that, that's really strong and it gets our name and brand out there and it builds the SEO. But I don't think that it's a great lead generation tool for us. And so I'm, I'm at that decision point right now of going, I don't know if we're going to continue with this today because financially, there's probably other places that we can put that cash. Or to be honest, we need to keep that cash right now in the business while we go through the next phase. And then I think as we've matured, we'll come back to external PR. But what we won't do is cut back on, on all of this giving that we do and, and the you know events and talks and panel discussions and all of that stuff. Because I think that is, that is direct lead generation for us. Would, a, would a, like an alternative, particularly for an MSP, like a local MSP, perhaps geared towards Richard, because I know he's done a lot of it, would it be better to spend your time and effort doing public speaking gigs locally? Because that's when you're networking yeah. with potentially your clients. That, that's a great yeah. question. Um, one of the things that we did, uh, the relationships we built up was with not only the local press, uh, but the local radio as well. And now I'm, I'm going to say something here in danger. I've just been talking about building relationships with uh, press and uh, journalists and stuff in danger of alienating any press and journalists watching now. Journos are lazy, lazy people. <laughs> so they want to be spoon fed with answers. So if you can, um, as, as Scott talked about, if you can make sure that you're giving them sound bites and the right sort of answers, that's that's one way. So that's one tip I want to throw out there. But to your point, Pete, yeah, local speaking really worked for us. So we we built relationships with BBC Radio WM uh, in the Midlands, uh, and and that sort of spread further afield. Um, so we were regularly on radio shows, you know, talking about the latest tech and doing this, that, and the other. You've certainly got a face for it. I've got a face for radio. Thank you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks away, and this is what I come back to. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we also looked for opportunities to speak at like local chamber of commerce, um, local business networking events. We got in touch with trade associations, which we've touched on before. Um, you know, this is all the, the uh, to a degree, the go-giver stuff that you talk about. But you would be absolutely shocked. MSPs watching this and you're thinking, oh, somebody else has already, you know, they've already gone there and done it. Uh, IT people do not stand up. And, and talk in front of other people that often, you know, so if you can find somebody who, you know, if you can get good at it and put yourself out there, even if you're not comfortable with doing it, you will get comfortable doing it the more you do it. And I can tell you now, the first time you sit down and do a radio show or a live presentation or anything like that, it's so totally nerve wracking, but you're the expert, you know about it and people listen. 
And so we've talked before on the show, haven't we, that you know, if you're in front of an audience full of people, they defer to you as the expert. Imagine doing that and imagine having that magnified by your local radio audience or whatever it might be. So it's a really good point, Pete. So how did you get started with that? Was that your journo contact that got you into like the BBC level? I imagine that like the Chamber of Commerce, that's just you just deal with locally with the Chamber of Commerce direct. But um, yeah, yeah, kind of BBC level, yeah. We did that. If I was to do it again today, though, knowing what I know, it is literally just about, it's a multifaceted approach. For, if you feature where you've been featured already, it makes opening doors a lot easier to journalists and others. So you're going to be featured, you know, uh, I've been featured on loads of uh, BBC radio around the country, not just locally, because they saw me on Radio WM and they're like, oh, yeah, that will work. Um, so f- making sure that you talk about what you're talking about, talk about what you're doing. But then secondly, nowadays, you can connect with your local breakfast radio host on Twitter, like the guy or gal in between playing the uh, the music will literally be on Twitter looking for the next thing to talk about. So if you can be somebody that engages with them, b- before you know it, you're either going to be on a telephone call or in a studio with them. So uh, that's the way I would do it nowadays. Nice. Question for everyone in the room. How much should you spend on, maybe this is more of a generic question, actually, how much should you spend on marketing? How do you define a marketing budget? I know this is a much wider question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know most people, and I went through the same thing, when you, you, you're trying to you know, run your business and you've got all the costs going out and you start looking at marketing going, oh, don't have a marketing budget. Any thoughts or suggestions on how how do you get started? I guess, obviously, you get started by spending a little bit of money, but... It got to a stage, I think, where we started setting a budget. Did, did anyone get around to actually like budgeting for their marketing? I got asked this last week by a vendor that we're working with, a marketing vendor that we're working with, and he goes, so what's the budget for marketing? And I said, I think, I honestly think that's a silly question. And the reason being is that once you know your numbers in your business, you should, like, as I said to him, I said, if you can, um, I know what my, my lifetime value is for one of my customers right now. I know, and it's pretty easy for an MSP or any business to figure out their lifetime value of a customer in terms of their, their gross profit. And so for me, as long as you can keep scaling my marketing, my marketing budget and, and keeping my costs below that lifetime value with enough profit in there, my marketing budget is limitless. You're, you're actually going to be limited by the audiences and the, the methods that you're using and whatnot, not via my budget. And so I said, if, if I, right now, if you can, um, scale me up to 100 grand a month. I'll do it today, immediately. But the problem is you're not going to be able to because there's not enough audiences out there to go and do it. And so th- I think um, when you're smaller, it's harder to have that kind con- like when you're starting out, I-, I didn't understand that at all and I had no bloody clue and it was like, oh, what should I put on my, my, my um, what do you call it, my budget here for my marketing expenses? And I go, oh, I'll just put on $200 a month because that's all I can expect. Um, and, but in hindsight, I, I realized that was just absolutely crazy and it meant that I got no results and, and whatever. And so to me, you should be, if you want to grow your business and you want to be aggressive about your growth and, and build a funnel and have have prospects in there, you should be putting in as much as you possibly can afford, testing and trying and doing all different things. Because with marketing, the, your costs for acquiring a customer, as long as you're learning, go down. The more you do it, the more you spend and the more you waste and the more you throw at it, the better you get at it and the better you learn and the, the more lessons you learn. And so for, as you're starting out, I should have, like when I was starting out, I should have just thrown every cent that I had at it instead of caring about a $200 a month budget or whatever it was. And then as I got better at understanding my metrics, like my customer acquisition cost and my lifetime value cost, then 
I just talk to my marketing people and tell them that you've got to scale as far as you can scale your audiences out there, not as far as my budget goes, especially if you're able to, um, and it's different in an MSP, but in, in our world, we, we talk about clearing our ad spend in the first month or two or three. And that means that we, we earn our marketing dollars back within a month or two or three. And, um, and that means that we don't have to have, like, we're not using capital that's being tied up for three, six, 12 months out there in the marketplace. So I think it's a, it's kind of a, a loaded, or it's, it's not a loaded question, but I think the question in people's minds, I want to encourage you to flip it a little bit and just think more about your other marketing metrics and what they are and try and understand them and learn them. We've got a, a course inside the Tech Tribe that teaches you them, but think more about your lifetime value, your customer acquisition costs, start to get a feel for them and let that drive how much you spend in marketing, not just an arbitrary number that you come up with. And um, that's the end of my rant on that one. It's, um, no, we, we, we did a very similar thing. It was... Um... Because when you when you're a you know a, a much smaller MSP and you don't you're not getting results back you know initially when you're doing the outreach yes. when you're trying yep. different things yep. we did have a budget so um Philip mentioned in the comments there of we just set a percentage of our revenue because we didn't we didn't know what we were doing yep. you know budget for marketing right. oh, something like that no idea yep. so we just kind of went oh hey let's let's start off at one percent of our revenue right. then it's two percent then it's five percent and you grow it over time. Um, and you use that budget to go and try the stuff. You try, try it stuff, with yeah. Google Ads. You try it with, you know, starting something else with PR or whatever it's going to be. And then as that thing does start giving you some attrition back and, and giving you some clients and some money back, that then kind of gets removed from the budget because that's now generating an income. Now you go back that's to your right. budget and that's what you right. go to find something else, you know, spend some money on yeah, yeah. another new thing to try that out. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I definitely agree that. It comes to knowing, yeah, your lifetime value of the client, knowing how long they stay with you, how much they spend with you, all those kind of things, uh, and then knowing how much that actually, how much are you willing to spend to get that one customer and knowing that yeah. figure. And I think that, uh, that Nigel, percentage. Nigel, of, what's that? What's that course called in the tribe that you put together? Uh, the marketing foundations workshop. Funnily enough, the marketing foundation. <laughs> because Scott, you and I went through it recently, didn't we? Right. And I don't know about you, <laughs> uh, but uh, genuinely, I've been doing this for so many years, and I still learn stuff from going through that course that Nigel did. So, you know, any tribe is watching this, go and seek out that course. It's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I will say that I've observed across the hundreds or nearly thousands of MSPs that I've worked with is that um, there's some patterns to, and, and Pete, you just mentioned it and, and Philip mentioned it in the comments around what percentage of your revenue should you be spending in marketing? And what I'm seeing in, and, and this is, I don't have exact quantitative metrics in there. This is more what I'm just seeing kind of as a, at a general level, but I'm seeing, MSPs that are spending up to 14 to 15% of their revenue on their marketing out there. And they're the ones that are the ones that are growing really fast. They're kind of aggressive in their marketing. They're having funnels that are filling up with leads left, right, and center. And they're spending like 14 to 15%. When you look at your revenue, that's a significant amount of money. If you're doing a million dollars a year, that's $150,000 a year that you're spending in marketing. But that's going to give you some pretty aggressive growth in there. But as you said, Pete, and I, I was in the same situation as well. I started out with like 0.02%. But when I started out at 0.02%, I saw point zero 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 two percent of results out there like i had crappy results in it and it wasn't until i started really putting money in and um and so i, I want to encourage anybody out there if you are looking at marketing and you don't know any of those other numbers yet like your ltvs and cacs and ltr like all of that stuff look at it as philip said like a percentage of your revenue and just start with that metric and but don't start it at like half a percent or one percent or whatever invest some put some money into it if you really want to grow put some money into it and and put a decent percent into it because it's going to give you those lessons, and those lessons are worth got like they're they're worth their weight in gold. And you might not get results in the first early stages, but like when I first started out in the tech tribe, we had to go and throw 
I think we started off with like $30,000 worth of marketing before we started seeing results. But all of that, I, I looked back on it and went, oh, like that was pretty hard spending that, but it gave us so much gold and so many lessons about what wasn't working so that we knew what to do to make it work. And that's that's it might be hard to bite off when you're a small business and you've you got not much there, but really if you're going to spend – dollars on paid marketing you've got to learn the lessons in there you've got to the lessons become like it's it's the best the best um business workshop that you'll go through is spending money on on marketing out there and seeing what works and what doesn't i couldn't agree more uh, we okay scott i was gonna say we 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 really experimented in in year one we were very bullish uh around marketing spend because like for me, we, we were never going to hire salespeople. And that's still a mantra that I hold now, like we're two and a half years in. And I, I don't want salespeople. I want, genuinely, I want to build connections with people who are interested in our services. And the first person that they speak to is someone who can either deliver or fully understand and fully explain how we're able to resolve that situation. I just, I have nothing against salespeople. It's just not, it's not, it's, it's not for my business, right, at this stage. Maybe at a later stage, but right now it isn't. And, and so, my whole approach is it has to be around marketing. And that was all of the things that we did around video and social and all those things. But also we we experimented, right? We we threw money at things to see what would stick. And we gave things a three or a six month runway and see if it turned into leads. Mm. And one of the, the most painful experiments we we had was we met up with or we connected with an MSP specialist marketing agency mm-hmm. who had you know generated leads and leads and leads and, and had graphs and diagrams and customer testimonials and all kinds of stuff um, of how they were using Facebook to generate leads for businesses. And I was like, look, Facebook isn't our stomping ground. It's it's just not where I expect to find people. And their whole shtick was, look, you know, you're if you go on LinkedIn, everyone's kind of competing for space. If you catch them on Facebook, you're going to catch those people in your target market when they're not necessarily thinking about work, but just kind of pop into their feed. Hey, you know, couldn't we just solve this problem? So I was like, okay, we put twenty thousand pounds into it. And we came out the back of it with with zero leads and Whoa. like with ad with ad copy that just well, I'm gonna argue zero leads. They're gonna argue they generated leads, and I'm gonna tell you that they were all crap. Um right. but you know, they, they would generate ad copy that was so off brand for us. And I'd be like, no, this isn't us. This isn't how we talk to people. This isn't the kind of spammy article I want with our name <laughs> next to it. And they're like, no, 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 but this gets results. And they're like you know, 11 Android apps you should remove today. And I'm like, but we don't do Android or phones. Yeah, 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 but we're just doing And I was like, man, okay. So, like, we learned some really hard lessons out of that. And I'm not just saying because of the cash, but actually like, we, we put a chunk of the budget aside, and I would say we're about 10% of revenue is our marketing budget right now, our external marketing budget, not the stuff we do internally. And we learned so much just around, like, tone of voice, our values, how we want to be seen, who we should partner with that is then going to represent us into the wider market. And it's 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 learning those lessons and being bitten in the bum by those things that I think help. Um, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd be happy to share some of those painful lessons if people have questions, but I just think... Um, you have to do your diligence. You have to do your research. You have to get real 
references. Don't just take the vendor's word for it or the partner's word for it. We've worked with a number of external agencies who seem to have great stuff on their website and, and great stats to show you. And then when you get working with them, you're like, this isn't going to work. And it's it's expensive, right? I can genuinely say that the, the PR firm that we worked with has been fabulous, okay? Um, and, and they really took the time to understand our business. And one of the first things they did was came back and said, we understand your business is this. These are your target markets. This is where you should be heading. This is what we've seen happening in the industry. And I'm like, cool, you've, I've actually learned something from this session that I didn't know. And they broke down, you know, sort of market dominance of Microsoft versus Google. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know this stuff. And that showed me that we were then working with someone who did want to take the time to understand our business and how we were going to work together. And I would just genuinely encourage you, if you're going to work with an outsourced partner, tone of voice is important, you know, references are important, and then track what those leads are and how they're coming back and how that spend is over three and six months. But put a, put a timeline on it. I would say you can't get anything in less than three months. If I'm really honest, you won't see traction in less than three months. So don't, don't just get to three months and go, well, this was a waste of money. Look at it. See, see how it's growing. See how it's developing. Is it getting the brand out there? It might not have turned leads around yet, but these things are slow burns. They're, they're six months is, is my kind of minimum view on those. Yeah, we've got some questions coming in on the, the chat around making relation, building relationships with journalists and things. There's a couple of resources I want to shout out. So uh, Mark Hancock uh, said, as a nimble MSP, should we be looking to make direct relationships with these organizations, journalists? Absolutely, Mark. And, you know, that costs nothing uh, to do, going back to the whole go-giver strategy we talked about. A couple of resources I want to give a shout out for. And so I mentioned earlier on, um, that I've got a, a tech, tech journal list on Twitter. It's open to everyone. So if you go to tub.co forward slash tech journal, uh, that's a good place to start. Start replying to tweets from some of these journalists, you know, and, and getting engaged in conversations. The other one that I give a shout out to, and to my memory, it doesn't cost anything. I might be wrong, or if it's very low cost, it's called Harrow, H A R O, and it's called Help a Reporter Out. Yeah, yeah. And this is like a mailing list type thing that comes through where reporters are saying, I need some feed, some help on M365, a story I'm doing. And so if Scott was on the list, he would get that and he can jump in and reply to them directly. So those two resources there, it's just about building relationships with the reporters, though. So um, that you could do that. It doesn't cost anything other than your time. That, so. that Haro one I had written down here as well. It's a great one. Um, I've, I know a number of friends that have used it very successfully in their business. And um, I know a number of MSPs that have worked with it as well in cybersecurity. They just subscribe because you can subscribe to the different um, topics that they push out feeds for. And um, they were subscribed to cybersecurity or IT security or whatever. And every time an article request came through or an expert request came through about that, they were replying and they weren't just replying saying, hey, I can help. They were replying with all the details up front, go give proactive with all of the stuff. And they were getting replies from them and, and being featured like Scott was in, in Forbes and business magazines and all sorts of stuff um, yeah. based on just this these simple little things on Haro out there. So it's a, a really good one. I've seen a number of people use it. I, I want to give another angle here as well because we're talking about marketing, we're talking about PR, and we're, we're looking from this from the perspective of, oh, we're going to draw in clients uh, or that's the goal. But just remember as well, one of the biggest challenges that MSPs, tech companies as a whole have, is finding good talent, finding good employees. So don't underestimate if you are getting good local press, uh, how much that can put you in front of potential employees. So I can see in the chat, Kerry says, I like the idea of providing expert advice to local voices, but we may already be past that point where it'd be to our benefit. 
Kerry, I would advise, go and take a look. There's a, a UK distributor called Geocom. They're based in Hull, uh, near the northeast of England. They do, in my mind, the best example of local PR. So, you know, they find very little difficulty hiring uh, members of staff locally because they're super well known. They've got a real good PR machine. They're featured in the local hall press all the time. So whilst it's not going to affect us as MSPs, we're unlikely to be reading like the Hull Observer or something and say we're going to work with them. When it comes to employees, it's a big draw to realize that the company that you're thinking about is featured in the local press as a great employer doing big things, winning awards and stuff like that. So I wanted to throw that out there because it's not just in, uh, not just clients that you're going to attract through PR. It could be potential employees as well. I, I guess the whole awards thing falls under the PR arm of a business too, right? Like all your, your CompTIA awards or out here we've got CRN and ARN and all those awards um, do end up becoming a PR initiative essentially at the core. Yeah, we could do a whole show on that, I'm sure. On awards, yeah, we'll have to bring Jamie Warner in on that one. The Envirosoft founder, he has built his MSP to well, nearly $10 million now in revenue and he's very heavily used awards processes through his marketing and his PR yeah. process of that. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw a question out here now and I'll, I'll go first so you've got time to think about it. <laughs> and it's going to be a bit out there. So if you were given three grand a month for your marketing budget, what would you spend that on each month? So I've just made a few notes now. Um, so I would spend mine on, and this is going to be a, a really random list of things. There's uh, a marketing agency here in the UK, Entrepreneur Circle, which would cost me about 100 quid a month. So I'd put 100 quid into them. Of course, I put 50 quid into Tech Tribe a month. That just makes sense. Because of, and talk about marketing, you're learning the marketing stuff. To, right. you know, yeah. all the I was going to say, how's that marketing there? expense? And then I thought, hang it's on, we've got a lot in there. <laughs> I'd, I personally, because... Of, of what I do, I, I put like a grand and a half onto video marketing, um, making the videos, the idea generations, outsourcing thumbnails and various things to, you know, editing and, and all those kind of things. Um, 250 quid, I probably put towards podcasts, someone to um, help me run a podcast, distribute it, again, artwork and those kind of things. So I think my podcasts have got a huge amount of value. And I probably also spend probably a, a grand a month on a marketing apprentice because here in the UK, you can spend, you know, probably anywhere from 500 pounds if you really were, wanted to be cheap. Um, to about a grand a month if you want to, you know, um, still stay on the marketing apprentice level and get a full-time, essentially, employee. Um, and that person could, you know, enter the awards for you. So we had a, an apprentice for us that um, one of their kind of tasks was to keep an eye out for any awards that were coming up locally. And um, if we missed them, then they put it in the calendar for next year. So we caught them next year and could enter in time. So just they could do tasks like that. They can help towards the videoing. The, the podcasting, they can do some social outreach. They can just do a lot for you for, for that money you're spending. Um, if there's a retired local a journalist like Richard's got, then I'd probably throw <laughs> 300 quid at a, a local journal as well, I think. Um, and I think that's probably about that. That probably adds up to about the 3K. That That's kind of what I would do if I was starting today and just given three grand a month and, and told, go spend it on something. But it'd be interesting to see what everyone else thinks because I know everyone else would, has got their own kind of that, you know, passions and thoughts on what what works. That's to promote an MSP offering for content. for an MSP. Like, yeah. So if I was starting right. an MSP today, that that's what I would go for. All right. You want to go next? Who's, I know I've not given you much time to think about it. <laughs> I, I I do a spread of things exactly the same way that you talked about, Pete. Because one one of the areas that I see MSP saying our marketing doesn't work for us. What they actually mean is they've chosen one marketing method spent like three months dumping thousands of pounds into it or time into it 
not seen the results they wanted and gone, it doesn't work. You know, all the methods that you've talked about there. So, you know, I would definitely build a relationship with a top quality video editor um, locally as well. And I'd get good at doing video. And then you can leverage that video into so many different formats. You know, uh, we've talked before about upgrading the content, doing content repurposing and things like that. I think video would be the number one um, method for me, but it can't be used in isolation because much as we love video, there's tens of thousands of MSPs not watching us right now because video is not their jazz. They're off reading Carl Palachuk's books or they're reading my blog or listening to Scott's podcast or whatever. So you've got to put content out in the methods uh, in the formats that people want to uh, to hear, read, or, or watch it. So I would probably use that budget to work with different – I would have a copywriter in there. I would have a video editor in there. As you say, I would have like a, a, some, some type of marketing person on the ground, even if it's an apprentice, just to get these things executed and out there. So I would use a spread of things. And let's not forget as well, we got direct mail and stuff like that. Mm. We're, we're, mm. we're in dangerous realms of going into a full-on uh, episode <laughs> about marketing here instead of PR. But the point is, don't throw all your eggs in one basket. You can utilize the content across numerous different channels. Scott, do you want to go before I rant? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so, I, I mean, I can only speak to what we do, I guess. Um, so, so we we had a marketing apprentice, and, and here in the UK, that is one of the best spends that we've we've possibly ever done. Um, so, I, maybe twelve hundred pounds a month, something like that. I don't know because they've just finished their marketing apprenticeship, and now they're on a proper wage. So, marketing now costs us slightly more. But I would still encourage anyone who's in the UK. And is kind of you know doesn't it, maybe you're an, an agile MSP doesn't have the marketing resource, go and get a marketing apprentice. It is genuinely the best thing that we have ever done, because like they they've they've just revolutionised everything. Like we didn't have a YouTube channel. We now have a YouTube channel with two and a half thousand subscribers. That's not big potatoes, I understand, but we started from zero like twelve months yeah. ago. So to get two and over, a half thousand is still know, more than a BNI meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and we got like nearly three. Was it? Yeah, just just over a quarter of a million views now on all the content that's on there. Okay, that's that's cool. Pete gets that on one video, but but you know we're getting there. But the point is, they've done that, and so all that you know, the filming, the editing, the you know, the post production, all of that stuff gets done in house. Um, you can outsource that if you don't want to go and do it but like she records the video she sets up the cameras and the tripods and the lighting and all this stuff that's in here today that i'm looking at you at is is all set up by our marketing apprentice she'll then do the website so all those website optimizations i talked about i think just before this uh session where we've you know done that fixed all the page speeds and all the content and rewritten it in a story brand method that's all done by her um, our shock and awe packages, as they're called. So our customer welcome packs. So these are branded welcome packs that we've made for customers. The whole box is branded. We have this mascot Claudio that's in there. We have branded water bottles that she's designed, all this kind of stuff. Um, booklets, the cybersecurity booklet from the tech tribes, fully rebranded. She's done all of this. And you know what started off as a three-month, you know, here's what it is and what we do and how we work. To be honest, it doesn't matter what we do. She doesn't understand the technology side of things. She doesn't need to. What she knows is how to look at the stats and see, right, how do we drive more engagement across our content? And she's just just slammed that for the last 12 months. So it's, it's definitely the best spend. Outside of that, I mean, I would argue that some of the money that you need to take each month needs to go on freeing up your time, so my time, because 
the more time that I can spend at events and conferences and speaking and, and stuff like this, and the less day-to-day distractions that I'm doing, the more value I can add to put the face to the business because this is what brings in the leads. It's our, it's it's seeing us and the authenticity of hearing from us. So if you can use VAs, as we've talked about previously, to offload that day-to-day stuff that you shouldn't be doing as the founder or the owner or whatever your job title is, get that off your plate. Yeah, get the nif-naf driver off to someone else. Um, and then, you know, we do use tools. I mean, there's there's so many tools that we use, like uh, like the Hootsuites and the active campaigns and all of that stuff to sort of automate our posting, automate our engagement and our email, you know, responses and all those things all add up. We use Zapier to tie all those things together. And there's a good, I would say, four to 500 pounds a month in tooling that we use that right. just kind of ties everything together, right? And again, it stops people having to do manual processing and clicking and pushing. Um, and, and so you need that, again, is, is coming back to freeing up your time and your staff's time to spend more time with people, get on the video and, and all that kind of good stuff. That that's me. That that's what we're doing right now. It's it's automation tools, offload my time and marketing person internally. But no salespeople. So we've we've chosen to fund marketing and all of that activity. We don't do any outsource at the moment. As I say, we were working with an external PR firm, but just genuinely for budget reasons, we're we're pulling that back in right now. And then we'll revisit probably when we're in better shape in terms of our process and our customer testimonials and, and getting things out from customers. And then we'll go back on that. Cool. All right. Time to rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's been holding this in. Can you see that? Holding, holding it in. Um, so I would take a slightly different approach because I'm a little bit of a different guy. And instead of going deep, uh, wide with lots of different strategies, I would go super deep. And um, and the re- one of the reasons being is that it's only three grand we're talking about here. And that's Still might seem like a lot to a lot of businesses out there, but in marketing world, um, especially the MSP B2B space, it's actually not that much when you, it comes to how many clients you're going to get back out of it. And so to me, you've got to, like, I would like to focus more. And for me to focus more and get good at something, I can't go and do like four or five or six or seven other different things. I would, what I would be doing is number one, I would shameless plug, go and take the marketing foundations course inside the Tech Tribe um, library just because it would give me a good foundation of the language to use, the lingo to use, the mistakes to avoid and all that sort of stuff. Um, But number two, then what I would do is I would go and look around in my marketplace or the, the marketplace I'm serving and go and try and just do a little bit of reverse engineering to figure out what the other highly successful MSPs are using as their marketing methods. If they're using Facebook ads, are they using LinkedIn ads? Are they using trade mags? Are they using direct mail? What are they using? And then I would triple down on just figuring that out. I'd, I'd start off first with just some basic retargeting stuff just so that, um, and what retargeting is, is just if someone goes to your website, then on all the news sites and everything around you, you they're going to see your ad afterwards. You get pixeled by them and whatnot. And the reason I put that in first is just to, so that once you do, do start getting leads in, you'll start to, like, they'll see you everywhere. Um, it's kind of like put patching holes in a leaky bucket. So I'd get that in first, but that would only be like 50 bucks a month of my budget because I wouldn't have much traffic. Then I would throw the rest into whatever proven modality that I'm seeing out there work ridiculously well for my competitors in my marketplace because they've got successful by testing and tweaking all of the other ones that probably haven't worked and they're now using that one. And then I would just put my blinders on, my blinkers on, and I would figure out how the heck to be good at that. How the heck can I spend three grand a month to get results like they're getting out of that. And sure, the first two, three months, I may not get the results that they're getting in there, but it's going to give me the best chance of success because it's already proven. 
I see far too many MSPs, and I made this mistake so often, is that I'd go, uh, let me go and try four or five, six different things, and I'll put 300 bucks here and 400 bucks here and 500 bucks here and whatever, and I'd get no results out of any of them because I was just spread far too thin, and I wasn't pushing, focusing, and spending enough to, to learn the lessons that I needed from just one methodology out there. And so um, you might be thinking, like, what are the ones that are working? Like, what are those things that are working for MSPs out there? And I'm seeing... Um, some of the more aggressive MSPs are making tons of money from direct mail. So that would be one of my first ones out there. Richard mentioned it before. I, I know that I can easily make money with direct mail because I've studied it for years. I've tested it for years. I know how well it works. And so that would be one of my first ones. And I would go out and I would curate. I wouldn't buy a list. I would curate my own list um, of people that I would be doing direct mail to. And um, and then I would go and heavily, I'd use the Tech Tribe resources or whatever I could get my hands on to go and build print printed direct mail stuff to them, knowing that if they then come and visit the site or the landing pages on the site, they're then going to be remar remarketed to everywhere as well. And we're going to be very heavily in their world and then nurturing them afterwards with a nurturing campaign in there. Um, that would be one of the ones. Otherwise, Google Ads, everybody gets scared of it, but Google Ads works in nearly every marketplace in the world for MSPs fairly well. It's just takes time it's like it's one of those things you can't throw 500 bucks at it and expect it to work you've got to throw three grand at it for three months in a row and you will get results out of it if you as, as long as you follow some you don't make some of the crazy mistakes that that some people make out there but uh, you will get results because you when you when you're doing google ads advertising out there you're finding people with intent and when you're finding people with buying intent it is so much bloody easier to close them than having to nurture them for six months because you found them via a cold ad or whatever it happens to be and so to me, if I was to start an MSP, again, I'd get that remarketing stuff in place. I'd do a bit of reverse engineering to see what is working in my marketplace. It would probably likely turn up to be direct response or Google ads or um, like speaking at trade shows or whatever it happens to be. And then I would just double down in that one for three months. I would just learn whatever I can. I'd bring in the experts that I need to bring in. I would do whatever I possibly can with crazy blinkers on so that I didn't get distracted by all the other stuff out there. And I just focus for that three months to try and get results because I know other people are. And that's, that's my, um, my slightly different, but, um, ranting way that I would go about it. I'm just making sure I didn't miss any notes that I wanted to do down here. No, that's it. Just, I'd be looking for those proven things so that I wouldn't be diluting myself and my focus in there, looking for, for where people are doing things. And, and one of the, th the other mistakes I see a lot of MSPs make is they try to get too creative in the early stages. Like they'll go, oh, I've got three grand a month now to spend. Um, so they go, oh, I'm going to. Um, put up signs at my local dance studio and I'm going to do all of these like creative things. And, and these are coming from real stories. I've actually seen this multiple times. They get all creative around all this stuff with all these new untested ways of doing marketing for an MSP. And that always fails. 100% of the time it always fails. And what I say to, to most MSPs starting off is don't try and get creative in your marketing when you first get started. Go out and just mirror and match and learn from others that are actually doing it really well to start off with. Then when you start to get some runs on the board and you've you've spent some money and you've learned some lessons and you see what works and what doesn't work, then and only then you do do you have permission to go and get a little bit more creative and, and try different modalities out there that maybe don't have as much competition or whatever in them. But don't start it like I did first off trying to be creative in things because you'll just fail. You, you need those runs on the board. You need to learn the lessons. You need to spend the money. You need to waste some money uh, before you get it, before you, you you can start to get creative and be um, think outside the box in there. So end of I my rant. That's quite an important um, thing to note is that you have to waste money to make money. And that's something yeah. that's so difficult when you're first starting out because you don't yeah. have money to waste. But you do need to go through that process, you know, particularly with Google Ads. My God, I've, oh, the God, amount yeah, of money yeah. I've wasted on Google Ads over the years trying to <laughs> yeah. test that one out. <laughs> it is scary. 
it's scary, but you know that there's like it's it's one of those things that you just got to go towards what is working around the place and what's working pretty well. And Google Ads is one of those ones that works incredibly well because of that intent. When you look at a funnel of buyers and you're throwing buy like the buyers up the top of a funnel are typically the ones that are going, oh, I'm not really in pain. I don't need to change my IT provider at the moment, but I'm kind of interested by what they've got because I've seen an ebook or I've seen them speak somewhere or whatever it is. So I'm sitting up the top of this funnel. Google Ads typically are people right down the bottom of the funnel that are literally just looking for a new MSP. They're there ready to go like uh, they're typing in IT provider London or IT provider Sydney or IT provider New York City or whatever it is because they want to change today. And and so when you can get that in place and you can figure out the copy and the ads that work, and that's pretty easy because you just reverse engineer all the good ones out there that are currently working um, or you're, and come up with your own kind of little tweak and, and as Scott said, put your voice towards those ads out there. Um, but once you can go and figure all that out, it can be incredibly like you can you can get um, clients and a lot of the successful MSPs out there using Google Ads get their clients for three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars per hot lead um, and close clients for a thousand or two thousand bucks pretty regularly, day in day out. And I know most MSPs would be more than happy to to buy a client for a thousand bucks. Like yeah. you're going to typically make it back in the first month, two or three, right? And then the rest is profit from then onwards. So um, it does work, as Pete said. It's can be incredibly bloody scary, uh, but it's one of those ones that works. And so you've just got to push through sometimes the ones that work and, and keep pushing and learning and then um, hopefully push through to the other side and start to see the results. I think the future of marketing is in confectionery, in donuts, and I have been doing oh, yeah. masses, massive amounts of market research into this recently. I'll reveal my <laughs> results in another six months when I've gone through every flavor. I was just eating a chocolate live on air, so I'll, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Um, and with that said, <laughs> I'm that bombshell. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's it, Pete. You can do the wrap up. You're wrap up, man. I'm finished with my rant. Awesome. Okay. And with that said, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. And um, thanks to loads of people in the comments today. It's, it's been awesome to um, see you get involved and asking questions. So uh, thank you very much. We are, um, what are we doing? Yes, subscribe down below if you're not already on YouTube into that corner. We got it right. No, that corner. Though. Down there. I was just being um, smart. If you are listening to this on various podcast platforms, grab it onto Stitcher, the App Store, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Get me. And um, yeah, grab the links down below. There's some links down below for Tech Tribe and if all of our other various collective things that we want to shill. So go and have a look at the, all of those things. <laughs> and yeah, we'll just leave it there, I guess. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh we're going to figure out what time to do this. I think we're going to have a bit of a chat now on um because it's, it's Nigel's tea time now, isn't it? So we want to need to make sure that you're not my dinner time. Aaron's in the dinner of time. Your, I just saw him time. make a comment in there as well. It is our dinner time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Next time. Bye for now. Yeah.